You're listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Gray. Join me as we cover topics about nutrition, health, and lifestyle so you can have ancestral health in a modern world. This episode is brought to you by Ancestral Elements Supplements. If you're looking for whole food, high quality, wildcrafted supplements, look at Ancestral Elements Supplements. I offer a liver and colostrum supplement as well as a wild bear clover tincture. With my background in food science, I'm able to personally formulate and create my own supplement line to ensure the integrity and quality of each product. In both supplements that I offer, none contain any fillers. They're strictly 100% food items, making them completely bioavailable and non-disruptive to the gut microbiome. For further information, go to AncestralElements.com and navigate to the supplements page. Now, here's the episode. Hi and welcome back. This is episode 46 of the Ancestral Elements podcast. Today we're going to talk about chaga mushroom, a fungal friend. And I've talked about chaga mushroom before on various episodes quite a bit, but I wanted to dedicate a single episode to this mushroom, this polypore that grows on birch trees. It's getting to be that time of year where your mind should start to shift towards immune support, antioxidant function, and getting these types of medicinal values in your body to bolster your nutrition as we lose light in the fall and winter month. Chaga mushroom in the fungal kingdom is a very interesting mushroom. It is what's known as a parasitic fungus. It grows on hardwoods in the northern hemisphere, such as birch trees primarily. And what it does is it extracts nutrients from the birch tree itself which we'll get into more of the pharmacological properties of it later on. But it being parasitic means that it actually kills off the birch tree. And in doing that, it basically sucks up a lot of the nutrients that birch trees provide and then metabolizes it in its own fungal body or fruiting body, which is what we would call chaga mushroom. This is a mushroom with a history of thousands and thousands of years throughout Russia, China, and the northern latitudes of North America. It's been mostly documented in traditional Chinese medicine over the past 3,000 years or so, and it's classified as the king of medicinal herbs. So basically, you have a king and a queen medicinal herb in traditional Chinese medicine, which is chaga and then reishi mushroom right behind it or alongside it. It has been used in folk remedies and used for its powerful antioxidant load, like I said, dating back thousands and thousands of years. There is a long-term use of this mushroom, and it's just recently, the past 20 years or so, that we've started to look at this from a reductionist perspective and take lab values from it. And as far as an antioxidant value of it, it is essentially the highest antioxidant food that you can be taking in. It kind of bounces between chocolate and chaga mushroom for being kind of the top two antioxidant foods that there is. But a lot of times, depending on how the cacao is grown, chaga will actually win that battle of containing more antioxidants, at least wildcrafted chaga, or chaga that isn't commercially grown because that's the thing with mushrooms, any mushroom, 
whether it's culinary or medicinal, depending on the medium that they're grown in, really matters. Because like I said, especially any type of parasitic fungus that's going to pick up the medium that it's being grown in, whether it's wood chips or some type of other material, that matters. So if you're eating mushrooms that aren't organic, a lot of that stuff is grown on like GMO grain, GMO corn, GMO wheat, things like that, where that mushroom is going to be sucking that stuff up and building its fruiting body out of it, which I don't think a lot of people realize. A lot of people just think that mushrooms are always coming out of the ground, and that's just not the case. Commercially grown mushrooms are grown in all sorts of kind of foreign mediums that you would find them in the wild, right? They're not grown in soil most of the time, like people think they are. It's important to realize that fact, that if you're eating mushrooms regularly, how they're grown is very, very important. And if they're not organic, then they're going to be grown in usually a corn or wheat-based medium in a culture, essentially, because they inoculate that grain or that corn. And because there's so much sugar in there, there's so much glucose, you get rapid flushing and fruiting bodies popping up. That's typically the reason it's done. So if you can find wildcrafted mushrooms, or you can go get them yourself, or at least that are grown in in an organic medium or material, you're way better off. And back to chaga, the king of medicinal herbs in traditional Chinese medicine. There's over 13,000 different herbs in traditional Chinese medicine. So for them to crown chaga at the top, that's a very, very prominent position to place this mushroom in. And with generations of people using it from all across the world, it's definitely time to reintroduce this into our diets and our nutrition routine. So I'm going to break down kind of some of the antioxidants that are contained in chaga and lay out a case for this medicinal mushroom to be used, especially this time of year. As we go into fall and into winter, it's a perfect time to start ramping up your intake of this mushroom. Chaga mushroom has an extreme antioxidant value. One of these antioxidants is superoxide dismutase. Sometimes you'll see it written as SOD or SOD, and it essentially is kind of one of the prominent enzymes that sweeps up oxidated cells in the ROS mechanistic loop that we go through day in and day out. So these reactive oxygen species, again, are kind of like sparks off of a fire. They can kind of affect other cells with oxidative damage if they're not controlled. And so what this enzyme does is it kind of sweeps up those sparks. It kind of prevents other cells from getting hit with this oxidative damage. So it's a protective component. Other examples of superoxide dismutase are things like CoQ10. So coenzyme 10, most of you know or have heard of it having very powerful antioxidant properties, and that's true. It absolutely does. Chaga mushroom, side by side with CoQ10, has about 25 to 50 times more antioxidant value in this superoxide dismutase than CoQ10. So it is vastly superior in this particular antioxidant. So essentially what it's doing is it's providing a little bit more protection and sweeping up oxidative damaged cells. 
a lot of this enzymatic activity has to do with chaga mushrooms color. It's almost a black color. Now when you get to the center of it, it's more of kind of a root beer kind of brown color. But this pigmentation, this melanin development, like any dark pigmented fruit or food for that matter, it's going to contain vitamin D. So especially with chaga mushroom, it's great in the wintertime because it can help maintain your vitamin D levels a little bit better. And paired with the antioxidant value, it creates kind of a powerhouse of nutrients and immunomodulation. So it's what's known as an adaptogen. So it can adapt to different stressors in your body, and it can move your immune system up or down. It can modulate it. It's an immunomodulator. So if your immune system's a little bit weak, if you're run down, it can balance it up and take it up a few notches. If your immune system is overreactive, it can settle it down, right? So it has this amazing ability to kind of regulate and even things out. And being that it is classified as an adaptogen, it means that it's safe to regularly take daily. There's really been zero instances of chronic use causing issues. There is some negativity surrounding the oxalates in chaga mushroom, which oxalates will bind to calcium. So there's a lot of oxalates in spinach, for example. That's why your teeth kind of feel a bit gritty if you eat a lot of raw spinach. It actually binds to calcium and pulls calcium out of tissues, bone in particular. But if boiled properly, and this is important, if boiled properly for about two and a half or three hours on a rapid boil, that oxalate percentage gets decreased substantially. So chaga mushroom, like a lot of other kind of woody type substances, contains a lot of chitin, which chitin is basically just a sugar molecule dressed up as kind of a woody cellulose-like structure in its chemistry. But it takes rapid boiling to break that chitin down and to release all those oxalates. And then with any type of heat, those oxalates are basically broken down and, for lack of a better term, destroyed or rendered inactive. There's always going to be a little bit there, but there's always oxalates in plants or types of fungi. That's just kind of the way of the world. And as long as they're reduced down and kept to a relative minimum, it's fine. Your body can deal with them. Your kidneys can deal with them. It's not a big deal. Now, if all you're eating is spinach salad and, you know, consuming ton of other oxalates in your diet, it potentially could become an issue. But cooking, in most instances, reduces the oxalate load in any type of food. And in general, the longer cooking duration, the less oxalate issue that there is in the food. So with spinach, you know, spinach gets touted as a very high oxalate food because you don't cook it for that long. It's a quick steam or a lot of times eaten raw and there's a lot of oxalic acid in there. Okay, so back to antioxidants. It Having a fruiting body on birch trees, like I said earlier, chaga mushroom picks up on a lot of those medicinal properties that are in birch. One of the more interesting ones is what's called betulinic acid. It has been proven to have very powerful 
antiviral properties. So they've even used it in HIV-1 cases where it had a pretty significant reduction of that virus multiplying. I'll post a study to that in the show notes. And so this is primarily from the birch tree. But chaga mushroom, since it's grown on that medium, it picks it up. And it's in relative high quantity. So this antioxidant kind of antiviral role that this mushroom plays is also very important in the fall and winter months because that's when your body's lacking vitamin D, lacking sunlight, lacking a lot of times environmental exposure in general, right? We're cooped up indoors and viruses start to replicate and spread as we know. And it's important to get antiviral properties in the diet. You can become a little bit better protected even if you get it. The duration is a lot shorter. And that's what you see with chaga when given to people that already have, for example, a respiratory disease. It shortens the duration. And a lot of this is down to not only the medicinal properties in chaga mushroom itself, but what it's grown on and what it picks up from something like a birch tree. Again, there are commercial versions of chaga mushroom that are grown in all sorts of different mediums. So getting wild crafted chaga from the Northeast or Canada, for example, is your better option if you're going to be brewing this tea at home. I'll also post a video of me actually brewing the tea that basically goes through on how to brew it and a recipe that I like to use after it's brewed. But knowing where this is coming from, if you purchase it, is going to be really important because there's chaga mushroom in a lot of different supplements now. So like Four Sigmatic is a coffee company out of Finland, for example, that uses chaga mushroom in their coffee. You know, some other brands are using chaga mushroom and other medicinal herbs, but it's hard to know where that stuff is coming from. It's hard to know how they've scaled their company and are growing or purchasing their chaga. So knowing, again, what it's being grown on, what region it's coming from is going to be important for its nutritional properties and medicinal benefit. As far as the intestinal microbiome goes, chaga is great for combating things like H. pylori, which is a bacterial overgrowth, and it's also very high in compounds that are called beta-glucans, which help regulate things like your blood sugar and cholesterol levels. The other cool thing about chaga is it has a compound vanilla in, and it's the same thing that is in vanilla beans, so it gives it a mild kind of vanilla taste to it. And that's been shown in animal studies to, again, help reduce cholesterol, plaque buildup that causes atherosclerosis, and regulate blood sugar. So it has a lot of these kind of compounds that are synergistically working together in this one fruit body, way more than I'm going to be able to cover in a single podcast, but there are tons of these types of phytochemistries interacting with one another and cross-communicating with one another that build this fruit body that we call chaga mushroom. There's also a compound in chaga that is called ergosterol peroxide and helps fight cytokine production, so inflammatory properties that naturally happen in the body. As far as an anti-inflammatory, this is a very key thing to go to as well, which is a big reason why it has kind of the antioxidant value that it does, because anytime you can limit cytokine production and inflammation in the body, it's going to help regulate that whole ROS cascade that happens. Because the more inflammation, the more oxidative stress that your cells are going to be giving off because they get hindered 
by that oxidative damage, and then the body comes in with inflammatory markers that tag the cells for apoptosis and premature cell death. And so it's this constant cycle of kind of mitigating all that response as much as possible. I mean, it is a natural response. It's an important response to have because you need pro-inflammatory markers as well, but you don't want that stuff to get out of control. And so having nutritional aids that if things do spike up, if things do get inflamed, then you can go to them and help settle that stuff down or take them prophylactically and they are much better than somebody who isn't. And the way I suss out whether or not I want to use a food to kind of supplement my nutrition or get a nutritional change is I'll first look at, is there a longstanding use of this in the anthropology, in ethnographic reports, in lineages of people? I'll then go to the pharmacological properties of it, medicinal properties of it, and then doesn't have an interaction with the microbiome, with the intestines. If kind of all those three things link up, right, if you have ancestral use, if you have positive pharmacological properties that can be looked at through a reductionist lens, and you have a microbiome nutrigenetics piece to it, if it can hit those three targets in general, it's going to be pretty well tolerated through a population of people. There's also some reported instances of chaga mushroom having a mild sedentary effect on the central nervous system. Although it being very mild and anecdotal, there's definitely something to that. It definitely it calms things down a little bit. Very little stressed. It just kind of helps. I don't want to say relieve anxiety because that's not even a good word, word for it. It's very, very subtle. It's something I like to take before bed if I can. It seems, and again, this is just my observation and extremely anecdotal, but it seems like it does kind of help wind the body down a little bit, just of kind of general stresses for the day or whatever it may be. It seems to have that effect. I, you know, it's not even as strong as something like chamomile tea because something like chamomile will actually make you sleepy. There are properties in there that actually cause some tiredness, some sleepiness. But chaga isn't anything like the chemical compound apigenin that is in chamomile that causes that sleepiness. It's much more mild than that. I mean, you can take this midday and not notice anything, but it does have a very, very subtle ability to kind of just drop the nervous system into a place of rest. As far as I know, there isn't any extremely well-documented phytochemistry within chaga that settles the central nervous system. There have been studies just showing how the reduction in oxidative stress will settle the central nervous system, the brain and spinal cord, and kind of relieve some of that tension that can be lingering there. But there could be as well. There could be some potential for actual chemical properties in there that cause kind of a mechanistic function for the nervous system to relax a little bit. You know, for the long-standing historical use that chaga mushroom has, the reductionist laboratory value side of it is still very much being studied and kind of worked through. So there's a ton of anecdotal stuff about chaga out there. And you can kind of take it or leave it, you know. I don't think it's inherently bad. 
that some of the anecdotal stuff is out there. I mean, that's people's lived experiences and that's fine. But, you know, anytime you can get some solid mechanistic data on what people could potentially be feeling, that's good too. You know, and it's nice to have both sides of that. But the fact that it is just so potently loaded with antioxidants is kind of the main point and typically the reason why people are getting it into their diet. It's so that they can relieve some of that oxidative stress out of their body, out of their nervous system, because it's not like oxidative stress just attacks one type of cell. I mean, it's widespread. It's everywhere. And if you're loaded up with a bunch of oxidative stress, of course the nervous system is going to be overreactive. It's going to be less optimal than managing that reactive oxygen species that we continually are bombarded with on a daily basis. And so I guess what I'm saying is, even if there isn't a main mechanistic component for the central nervous system, just getting that antioxidant value in your body and getting your blood built with it is very beneficial to the brain and spinal cord. Oh, and speaking of blood, there have been reports and studies done on chaga showing that it could potentially thin the blood a little bit. Now, it depends on what type of chaga you're using, on basically how it's grown, and if you're using it as a tea or a tincture extract. I mean, as we know, alcohol thins the blood anyway, and so there's actually more blood thinning with using an extract than there would be just drinking the tea, but it's a bit subjective, and the data is a little unclear. But if you're taking, if you're on anticoagulants like warfarin or coumadin, something like that, you may want to be a bit cautious if you're going to use chaga and just know that it could potentially, I'm not saying that it will, but it could potentially thin the blood a little bit more. So it's also something to stay mindful of. But if you're on something like warfarin or coumadin, typically you're going to be testing your INR anyway, and you'll know if things are a bit skewed. But there's a lot of other foods that affect clotting factors or the viscosity of blood. So you know, it's kind of one of those things, again, that the science is a bit wishy-washy on, but it's something to be mindful of. I have seen some reports on it changing some enzymatic function and overall function of the liver, which that could have something to do with it because, again, your liver is a storage tank for your blood. So if you get some enzymatic change to the liver, sometimes the blood will change and output flow will change. But again, no one has fully dialed in an, an exact mechanism. Now, that being said, chaga and the liver, as a liver support, it works very well ag against multiple pathologies in the liver. But depending on what you got going on, you'll want to be mindful. In traditional Chinese medicine, it's what's known as a jing substance. So I've talked about jing in an episode before, but this is one of these substances that basically support the kidneys and the liver especially, where it will subtly start to kind of adapt and keep your energy stabilized. And basically the metabolic process, the breakdown of food, working a little bit better, a little more smoothly, enhancing the positive cytokine response and diminishing the negative cytokine response, things are optimized. Think of this almost like an optimization tool that you can go to if you don't have anything major going on. It's just going to kind of stabilize out the processes that we don't think about and make the body function and optimize maybe a little bit better. 
And the other important thing to realize is if you're drinking tea versus taking an alcohol tincture of chaga, those are going to be very different in terms of the phytochemistry and chemical properties that are in each substance. So the tea, it leans a little bit heavier towards the immunological side of enhancement, whereas the alcohol extraction leans a little bit heavier towards the viral and potential cancer and kind of turning off that overworked pathway a little bit. A lot of times I will, well, I always have an alcohol extracted chaga in the cupboard that I can take, but a lot of times I'll add a little bit of alcohol tincture to my cup of chaga that I'm drinking. But as far as a day in and day out tool, I use chaga tea far more often. And you'll see the tinctures a lot. It's really important to be mindful of how they're extracted. If it's a double decoction, that means that it's 70% alcohol and 20% water or chaga tea in this example. So you would brew chaga tea, you would do 100 proof alcohol, and then you would dilute it by 20% to keep about a 70% alcohol in the tincture so it doesn't mold, essentially. It's for preservation purposes, more or less, because anything basically below 70% of alcohol will start to mold. So definitely be mindful if you are going to buy a commercial product that has chaga in it or is labeled as a chaga supplement. Kind of know what's going on there because a lot of tinctures are just pure alcohol and you're missing some therapeutic benefit if you're only using a single extraction. So again, there's some nuance to chaga tea. There's some nuance to this, you know, parasitic fungus. Um, it definitely depends on how it's extracted. You know, my personal recommendation would just be to buy some wildcrafted chaga from a company and it can be ground or you can use it in chunks. And I would brew your own tea and do your own little alcohol extraction with it. That way you have a raw product, you know what's going into it, and you can kind of be sure that you're getting what you want to be getting out of it, and you can tailor it to your own needs. You know, this is a mushroom that has increased in popularity an extreme amount. You know, I've been using this medicinal mushroom for over a decade, and even 10 or 12 years ago, it wasn't that popular. People didn't know about it. There wasn't a market for it. You know, it was just kind of one of those traditional Chinese herbs that, you know, was popular in some, you know, herbology circles and some really niche nutrition circles. But as far as it having a commercial, commercialized industry behind it, that wasn't the case. Whereas now it's a pretty kind of buzzy, hot topic nutraceutical that is being marketed. So just be mindful when you go to buy it or when you want to work with it. Um, kind of know what you're buying before you buy it. You know, it can be a really hard thing with any natural product when it gains kind of a really popular following and commercialization behind it. There's a lot of weird stuff that can go on. So being able to go to kind of the raw form of a something that's minimally processed, that's literally cut from a birch tree, maybe ground, you know, dried in the sun, which is important. It's important to dry it in the sun because of that vitamin D aspect and the melanin component to it. It soaks up the UVB and enhances the vitamin D in the product. So 
knowing the process with something like this is really, really important. Because again, anytime you're going to commercialize a product, a lot of companies are going to cut corners. They're going to cut corners to save money. They're going to cut corners to save time. They need to push a lot of product if they're selling a lot of product. So it's one of those things where in this case, it's better to go to a kind of a raw whole form of the food than buy something that's, you know, that's done. I mean, if you trust a company, have been using it and like it and have gotten benefit, that's great. There are good companies out there, but there also are not great companies out there, you know, and then there gets to be kind of a weird anecdotal fanfare behind something like chaga mushroom. You know, it's been used for thousands and thousands of years in multiple populations around the world. And, you know, the fact that people have I guess somewhat woken up to it. You know, there's a lot of claims. There's a lot of fanfare around it and things get um, misguided a little bit when it comes to this type of thing. So just know what you're getting into and have a reason to take it and know why you're taking it. You know, that's the other thing with, you know, any medicinal mushroom. You know, people just kind of hear that and they want to buy up supplements and they just start taking stuff without really having a motivation behind it or a reason personally to be taking it, you know, um, not to say that it's going to necessarily hinder a benefit, but timing matters. This is why I'm releasing this podcast now in the fall, because this is the time to start taking these types of things. Not to say that chaga isn't beneficial all year, and you definitely can take it all year. I use it all year round, but Now's the time to really start building your blood with it and keeping it in a daily rotation for a while. Because chaga mushroom isn't like a prescription drug. I mean, herbs and fungi and any other whole food natural substance isn't like taking a prescription drug. It doesn't act fast. It's subtle. You need to build the blood and build the tissues with it. And so taking it once, you know, bring, you know, a few liters of tea one time, it's not going to do much. You need to continually be building the blood. I mean, and if you haven't listened to the building the blood episode, go back and you'll gain an understanding of kind of what I'm talking about. And this is one of those substances that you're going to want to keep it titrated essentially in the blood a bit throughout the fall and the winter months because it'll synergistically work with the changing seasons at hand. So if you're looking to enhance your antioxidant value and get some immune system modulation in the coming fall and winter months, check out chaga mushroom. There are plenty of places that sell wildcrafted whole chaga that you can buy and brew some tea yourself. Again, I will post video and a recipe associated that I'd like to use in the show notes. So if you're curious about brewing it or how to brew it, um, check out the show notes. And that's going to do it for another episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Get outside, eat some good food, and I'll talk to you guys this next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Ancestral Elements Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, leave me a rating and review. This will ensure that people can find the podcast so that we can grow the audience, and it will help me secure guests for future episodes. If you have suggestions on what you want to hear on upcoming episodes, go to AncestralElements.com and leave me a comment. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and inputs and answer any questions that you may have.